Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to talk to you about Tim Burton's sequel to his Batman movie, Batman Returns. of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. sink her claws into you're getting into a girl like me he plots a foul reign of destruction my dear penguins thanks to batman the time has come to punish all you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Rabble? I do. I have a synopsis. So, Batman Returns is a 1992 film directed by Tim Burton, and it stars Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken, and this is the synopsis. The monstrous penguin, Danny DeVito, who lives in the sewers beneath Gotham, joins up with wicked businessman Max Schreck, Christopher Walken, to to topple Batman, Michael Keaton, once and for all. But when Shrek's timid assistant, Selena Kyle, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, finds out and Shrek tries to kill her, she is transformed into the sexy Catwoman. She teams up with the Penguin and Shrek to destroy Batman, but sparks fly unexpectedly when she fr- confronts the Cape Crusader. All right. So. Okay. That's about right. So what, do you, what did you think, Chris? You had seen this before. It's been a while since I'd seen it. I enjoyed it. You know, I... I uh, I enjoyed how refreshingly Tim Burton it was. It was a, you know, nightmare at Christmas kind of thing. It starts off with a monstrous baby being born and the pram being taken into 
you know, a Tim Burton-esque winter, like sort of abandoned city park that's like in a, it's like in the middle of Metropolis. So like an abandoned uh, fun park, theme park with rides and stuff in the middle of the city. And they throw the baby uh, in its basket into the water. And, it, and then we see it, we follow it down to the sort of sewers, but into the like, arctic somehow arctic section of the where he is raised <laughs> yeah. by giant penguins <laughs> so, so but but it's very tim burton and you know you go with it you're like oh okay this is what we're doing um it was interesting re-watching this after several other iterations of batman uh because of course tim burton was the first to bring, well, hardly the first to bring Batman to the screen, but was sort of the first in the eighties of our primacy as kids, like taking in this as a property. And I remember loving the first one with Jack Nicholson. And I think this was, I haven't watched that one in a while either. This was a, the tone of this one was darker than I remembered. Um, the penguin, Danny DeVito's penguin is, really gross like he's a really lecherous scum of a character and michelle pfeiffer kind of steals the movie i mean batman's almost a tertiary character in it really mm -hmm. um but it clips right along i mean it's a good watch uh it didn't age as well as i mean i don't think it is as good a movie as his first one was but I don't, what did you think? So I, I, some of my thoughts are similar to yours. So the, the 89 Batman thinking back to that and people who weren't around then it's, it's, it's almost hard to explain this. That was one of the most hyped movies in our lifetimes. And I mean, it, was just everywhere. Everybody had the shirt, the black shirt with the Batman logo on it. Kids got Batman logo shaved into their hair. Um, and it was just everywhere. And I loved that first movie, as you said. And then Nicholson, when this Nicholson was a great joker. Nicholson was a great joker. And at the time, so seeing Batman Returns back then in the theater, I was really disappointed and I really dis I disliked it a lot. I was kind of angry. And in hindsight, I don't know exactly what the reasons were that I don't like it. I think some of it was maybe, I, it was almost, you had too much going on with all the different villains. And like you said, oh. Batman is kind of a tertiary character. And then I revisited it at some point and was like, I, you know, this is a lot better than I remember it being. And then, and so now watching it, um, you're right. It's so Tim Burton and compared to um, what we're getting now with superhero movies, it's just so weird. Yeah. Um, and, and not to, you know, we talk about Marvel and the Marvel movies a lot and everything. And I, you know, enjoy those movies they are fine. But uh, today or yesterday, the trailer dropped for the new Dr. Strange movie. Have you seen that? No. 
So it's directed by Sam Raimi, which, you know, could be really cool, but people are like, it's amazing. You know, this is this. And I watched it and it's like, it looks good, but it looks like every other Marvel movie to me, you know, in my opinion, a lot of CGI, a lot of CGI. Yeah. And for me, for Batman, there's been a lot, there've been good Batman movies and there've been great Batman movies. But one thing that I think that Marvel does well is for the most part, you know, there are a lot of different kind of comic book movies, but I think in general movies should, uh, comic book movies should be fun. Um, and I always felt for Batman that Tim Burton hits the perfect tone for me. You, because you can go too far into camp, like what followed uh, these Tim Burton movies when you got into, you know, by the time you got to Batman and Robin, that was just full on camp. And then you can go to the other extreme of the Nolan movies that are, you know, very, very, they're good movies, but to me, they kind of suck some of the fun out of the, you know, the comic book aspect by making it so, Right. as realistic as they possibly can. What if this was real? Like how could this yeah. happen if it was actually real? Right. Exactly. So for me, Burton strikes a, a, a great tone of the it's, you know, it's campy and it's weird, but there's some seriousness in this as well. And everybody is so well cast, you know, the uh, Danny DeVito is great as the penguin. And um, part of how this movie came up, um, as one for us to cover is Danny DeVito did some interviews recently with, um, uh, with Michael Keaton coming back. He's going to be in the flash movie. And they also are saying now um, it's not official, but they're going to do another movie with Michael Keaton. They're going to do a Batgirl movie and he's going to be in that. So Danny DeVito had said uh, he would love to revisit this penguin character if possible you know, if Tim Burton would come back and I'm at this point, I'm kind of like, they're doing everything else. Just give him a bunch of money and just say, Hey, we're going to do it. Cause it would be huge. I'm sure, you know, um, but I'm rambling be good. Yeah. I mean, with his, his filmmaking has changed so much since then, you know, gotten so heavily into CGI. So, you know, I don't know, but well, but Danny also- DeVito, they didn't leave a lot. I mean, the penguin had an arc in that movie that was more. And like, everybody, everybody dies. All the villains die. You know, yeah, so, well, I can't um, but, uh, but Danny DeVito is great. As you say, he's just so gross. Um, Christopher Walken is good in the role that he plays, but this is really Michelle Pfeiffer's movie. And I don't, you know, never say never, but I can't imagine this Catwoman ever being really met again or surpassed. She's just so fantastic in this. And and it so fully inhabits that world you're talking about. Like they think they take every possible cat pun or metaphor mm-hmm. and just milk it to the nines. I'm thinking of the, she's like, maybe I'll just give myself a bath. And she starts like licking her glove and rub, you know, Mm -hmm. everything. It's just so over the top. And then the origin of the character, which we see is, you know, there's no machine that shoots gamma rays into her or anything. It's just, she gets pushed out of a window by her boss, Christopher Walken. She falls to her death we assume 
Then a bunch of cats run around her, and then she wakes up and she's deathless and now knows like jujitsu. Yeah. Like she's a full on, like she can do flips, and every scene she enters is cartwheels. And I, I love it. I love it. I just, it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. It's like, so it's like Christmas magic. She falls and now she's the cat woman and she can, she has nine lives. I love that scene at the end. We're walking to shooting her and she's like, you know, six, seven, all good girls go to heaven. He's like plugging her and she has nine mm-hmm. lives, you know, and she ate, she does the taser in his mouth and fries him. And then the very last thing we see is her silhouette and she's, she looks up and she's still got that ninth life. And you're kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, she stole that movie. Um, I love, I love Christopher Walken. Yeah. Uh, he's so weird in everything he does. And I love the they cast his character has a son who's this kind of big blonde. Doing the Christopher Walken voice. Yes. yes. <laughs> Dad, we have to go down meet with the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but he's laying it on really thick. And I wondered, mm-hmm. did the actor come in and be like, I want to talk just like dad or did, <laughs> or did the director say it or where that came from? Cause it's such a balls out choice, mm-hmm. but I, I love that. I'm like, oh, give the, give the kid more lines, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and for as silly as all of it is, you know, you have, I'm just sitting there watching it and smiling as you have this penguin army, all these penguins with the little <laughs> rockets on them, you know? Yeah. And for as silly as it all is, you know, those the ending, you know, those last few moments, there's some real emotion in this where when, um, you know, when Batman rips off his mask to reveal to her that he's, you know, that he's Bruce Wayne. And then when the penguin dies and the giant penguins come out and just push him into the water, I mean, it's actually a sad scene, you know? Well, it it does make you remember that however he was born, I mean, he was born monstrous, Mm -hmm. but you also get the sense that he's not just a bad guy because he was abandoned. Like there's a scene and they keep him in a cage and the cat walks by the cage and he grabs the cat as a baby. It pulls in. It's a funny bit. And let me, let me stop you just for one second. Did you recognize who the father was? The rich father? Yeah, of course. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, which I thought was great. And this was, you know, I remember vaguely this being somewhat a a little bit of a scandal because I think this is one of the very first roles he got after the thing where he was found in that, you know, we got arrested in that porn theater. Right. And it was, it was kind of like nobody would give him a job and isn't that funny in retrospect how quaint that seems after bill cosby oh yeah and harvey weinstein i mean and even uh louis ck which i'm not making light of but i mean these are no these are criminal activities right and and that destroyed his career he was Sure. And now if you did the same, he, it probably would, if that were today, probably enhance his career. It'd be like, Oh, Pee Wee Herman, you know, it's cut in. It's like, and, hey. and again, for the record, I am not saying that these things are all, this is great. Why are we mm-hmm. I'm just saying in retrospect that destroyed the career of a guy 
who does what the cliche is that men go into these theaters in their overcoats and masturbate. That's, that is the joke. And, and some cop caught him doing that. And, and you had the completely destroyed his career. And you had the CNN guy just, you know, a couple of months ago or whatever, who was masturbating on a zoom call. Oh yeah. And got, you know, temporarily was embarrassed. And then, is back on the air with CNN, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a shame that, that, I mean, you know, he regained his career eventually, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a shame what not to get derailed, but that Pee Wee Herman you know, lost his career for a while. Like you say, now it just like, no one would care, you know? Well, um, the movie is full of fun stuff. The movie is full of like early nineties, the just to continue on the vibe of the sex thing a lot of the stuff that danny devito is you know the um the penguin is a lech uh mm-hmm. and yes a quasimodo figure but but a real lech in a way that only i think like danny devito can really mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so gross and um at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, at the time, I thought, okay, he's a womanizer. But that's what, you know, of course, he's the mayor. That's what all powerful people are like. And now, in 2021, watching it, I was like, oh, this is this is disgusting. This is untenable. This is how mm-hmm. dare you, you know, <laughs> misogynist. So it didn't stand up in that regard for me. It took some of the pleasure of it away from me because I didn't, they were played as jokes, but I thought it made the character. I mean, he's a villain. You're not supposed to care about him, but at the end you, I think you are supposed to feel like ultimately he was an orphan abandoned by his parents. Yeah. Uh, You're supposed to view him as somewhat of a tragic. Yeah. I just, I, I, I watched the penguin the prevalent feeling I had watching it this time, watching the penguin was just disgust. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just this disgusting. I like the prosthetics and stuff. I like the makeup they did on him a lot. That looked yeah. really good. Everything w- with these two Batman films, like I say, there are things that, you know, they're going to make, they're probably going to make be making Batman movies long after we're gone. But there are certain things that that Tim Burton touched on. The the suit now, the Batman suit, is really clunky. You know, he he can't move very well in it. So the fight scenes he can't are move pretty. At all. That yeah. owl is one piece of rubber. Yeah. I mean, look. So the, see it here in the in the picture behind me. It's just yeah one seamless piece of latex and when he rips it off you can see how easily it tears off too it's uh so i i noticed you know there towards the end there's a fight scene with him and the penguin and i was just thinking man compared to today's fight scenes i mean this is just you know it 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 looks awful but um but things again you know the prosthetics with um with Danny DeVito are great. And the Catwoman costume is fantastic. And also the two other things that I, that I feel like are pretty much untouchable with these two films are the Batmobile. I don't think there's ever going to be another Batmo- Batmobile as great as this. 
And the Danny Elfman score, and this is one of the things that bothers me when they do reboots and reimaginings and all this kind of stuff is when you have such a great iconic score, you know, it's kind of like, it would be like if you did a James Bond movie and you never, never did the James Bond theme, or you did an Indiana Jones movie and you never used the Indiana Jones movie music, you know? Um, so we're going to have a different director with this new Indiana Jones movie, but I'm sure they're good. Well, I know, uh, John Williams is scoring it. So you're going to have some of the original music. They anyway. would be fools, not yeah. fools. But but it's but with this Danny Elfman score, why not use some of that music, you know? And I'll, and I know, you know, the, the different directors have different uh visions and all that, but um but just the well I can see, yeah, I can see if you're jumping like if it's a whole new Batman, if it's the Christopher Nolan Batman, why you wouldn't want And this to new one it. that's gonna come out with Hi, Robert Pattinson, you know. These are all new, these are multiverse. And I actually felt in this Batman with the two villains that pulled focus from Batman. Batman mm -hmm. he got to kind of run around and beat up clowns. But he spent, I feel like he spent most of the movie as, um, what's his name when he's not in costume? Oh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Looking yeah. kind of befuddled, right? And sort of mm -hmm. a romantic interest with Selena Kyle and looking kind of behind the ball, like not playing catch up. And mm -hmm. I almost, in retrospect, think this is this is sort of the DC universe flirting with, oh, are we going to do a Catwoman franchise? Are we going to do a, you know, because the villains in this one are more interesting than the hero. I think a lot of that comes down to just Tim Burton's sensibilities. We have to do that different in the second one. Yeah. Well, and not just that, but just, um, he, you know, it's kind of like all of his movies. He kind of identifies more with, it's like he identifies more with monsters than humans, basically not right. that, you know, these people are not humans, but I don't think he probably cares all that much about Batman, but he loves the penguin and Catwoman. Well, he did. And, he know. did in the first movie when both, because both Batman and the Joker, they were sort of yin and yang. I mean, they right. were sort of equal freaks. And the mm -hmm. fun of it was the Joker was the boisterous, colorful one, but he was ultimately the evil one. And Batman was the dark, cloaked in black, brooding one in the shadows, but he the twist on him was that he was the good guy. So you have these two. And, and I agree that the Joker is the iconic Batman uh, villain. The, 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 mm -hmm. You had to pick one. There you go. Um, but then for a second movie, I think he said, well, how are we going to open this universe up a little bit? How are we going to play with this? And Batman became just kind of a foil Right. She stole the movie. She really stole it. Oh, yeah. And Danny DeVito was chewing the furniture, but I think ultimately he played the unlikable parts of that character so hard that the character was just unlikable. Uh, and he's so disgusting with, you know, just the stuff coming out of his mouth all the time, you know, and he's really, really disgusting. 
It would have been interesting. So, I mean, I, I feel like, and of course, this is just armchair quarterbacking, but it would have been interesting because he was so literally disgusting, right? He is deformed and hunchbacked and, you know, almost he's ovoid shaped, you know, mm-hmm. and he has the gross thing and the sharp teeth and the pointed nose. I mean, he looks like a monster. And that's the whole thing is people recoil from him because he looks like a monster and this Christopher Walken magnate, this corrupt business Titan wants to make him the mayor. So he's the puppet. Mm-hmm. There was an opportunity there to give the penguin a kind of genuinely magnetic charisma. Like you bring him out and people, the, the public's initial response is to recoil. And I think the story tells this, this they, they embrace him as this mayor, but at, when you watch it, that's really feels like that's all because of Shrek's marketing and manipulation, right? You don't ever really feel like, other than the penguin putting on the iconic tux and top hat, he acts that mayoral, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't win over the people. He's sort of like, oh, my, you know, he's always playing the gross version of the lines. So if the lines are kiss the baby, shake the hand, compliment the, you know, it's, it's the way it's executed, the way it's performed in the movie is smarmy. And so we're supposed to be like, oh, they're buying it, but he's really gross. Well, we can see that he's really gross. You could mm-hmm. have actually played against that. And Danny DeVito is a super charismatic actor. Like the, all the things was like, I was just a child. All I want to do is find my, those feel performative watching the movie. Like, oh, I was just, all I want is to find my parents. You can understand how a little deformed boy like me would want that. Couldn't you? And it doesn't feel genuine to us as viewers at all, right? Mm-hmm. But it could have. And I don't know when he was making this movie that that would have fit the world of his movie. But again, armchair quarterbacking, looking back on it, it might have been really interesting if, as disgusting as he was, the penguin was capable of being genuinely charismatic. Mm-hmm. And then when Batman pulls the the whammy where he has recorded him manipulating his car and running down the public, that that would have been a real, a real genuine shocker of like, but, Oh, but, but we love this guy. He wouldn't say those things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm yeah. I definitely I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that, I mean, that's definitely a way that they could have played it. Anyway, little side uh, uh, rant. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of the things that popped into my head that really made me laugh is there's a part where, uh, you know, when he's trying to get all the children and the little monkey comes in and hands him the note from Batman and it has, it's like a Batman letterhead. It has the Batman logo at the top of it. I thought that was that was just a little funny oh, thing that stuck out to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 interesting because you know the first one, as we said, was such a massive hit, 
And this one made a little over about half what the first one did. And, you know, the plan, this was going to be a trilogy initially and the executives, some of the executives were really horrified by this and their reaction was just, you know, how are we, this is supposed to be for kids. How are we going to sell happy meals and toys? And, and, you know, I don't think really Tim Burton cared about that, you know, but it's dark. Yeah. It was really dark. And Catwoman is very, uh, sexy doesn't cover it. It's very sex centric, mm-hmm. uh, which works in this movie. Um, and, but so is the penguin, you know, the penguin is very lascivious. And so the whole thing felt, you know, although there's nothing explicit in it visually, the 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 tone is very rated R, I felt. Well, and, you know, she's in a leather, a skin-tight leather suit with a whip, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm not diminishing your comment. But it that I guess from movies that I've seen, and she's... She's moving in it in a sexy way, but it's like in a fossy way. It's in a mm. Broadway dance way. There's nothing. She's not doing explicit things with the handle no. of the whip. You know, there's no there's no Maplethorpe to it. No, no. It's fossy. Yeah. It's definitely sexy, though. But I mean, for, for little kids like Batman, Batman, you, you can imagine parents being like, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's Well, and, you know, we had you know, almost 10 years earlier, we had Princess Leia in the bikini, you know, yeah, um, which was equally, you know, along the same lines in a, in a kid. I remember movie. as a kid seeing that and being like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, everybody. Did. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that was everybody, every, you know, everybody's reaction. But she, one of the things I love about her character design is that they show her making that out of like a black shiny leather or pleather um, plastic raincoat. Yeah. And as the show goes on, the stitches start kind of coming apart. You know, it's very mm-hmm. Corpse Bride. It's very Tim Burton. It's very. Yeah, it's all his sensibilities, it's you know, starting to come unstitched. And by the end, she's got tufts of hair sticking out and it's all, you know. It's all the the toy coming unstuffed, mm-hmm. and I just thought, ah, oh, that's that's so effective. Um, it really is some of my favorite live action for Tim Burton is tricky, right? Because it's either at one end of the spectrum, it's it's um, well, you got Beetlejuice, right? You've got uh, you've got Beetlejuice, which is mostly practical, or it feels mostly practical, um, with Beetlejuice's makeup, and it's all his performances, like oh, well, 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 blah, blah, blah. and it, they do things like the head spins, and he turns, and you see <laughs> the things pop out, but those are practical, and it's it's a lot about suggesting that without CGIing that, and then you have later on, you have. Um, when uh, he does Alice in Wonderland and the Alice in Wonderland sequels, and you've got Johnny Depp being the Mad Hatter and they win and he does his Mad Hatter dance. And it's all just this crazy CGI, you know, thing, the way a body couldn't move. And 
I don't want to go on another rant about practical effects, but it, you know, it, it hops the rails at some point you stop caring and you think, Oh, that's a, that's a mildly interesting spectacle. Well, I'll speak first person. I I stopped caring, right? Like I want to see Johnny Depp in a crazy costume Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, right? That Captain John Jack Sparrow or whatever, that performance was some of Johnny Depp's best stuff. Like, it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. insane. And that's what makes that movie so great. And that's what really that's kind of, I mean, that and the money it made, greenlit all of those crazy sequels were just, they were trying to recatch lightning in a bottle with that Captain Jack Sparrow character. As the Mad Hatter, they made his eyes bigger. He's, he, it's not about his performance. It's about his look, right? So, I mean, I think if you'd have made, if you'd have made, the practical effects would have made Johnny Depp act, mm-hmm. to put it bluntly. Yeah. And if they'd have said, okay, now you've got to do this crazy dance, and he had to work with a choreographer to come up with some impossible looking dance that maybe there's one point where they CGI his head going 360 once as a kind of like, you know, we're like, I can't believe he's doing that dance. And there's one thing you're like, well, that's impossible. Right. But it wasn't, it was just like, I'm a moving whirly gig and none of this is real. And, and nothing is, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm out. I don't, what am I, why am I caring about this when, it's all just fake. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They did the same thing with uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, they you did. Know, the that was Timber, and it was you know basically for for me, uh, these Tim Burton had early on as good a run as just about any director. You know, he did Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He did Beetlejuice. He did. Um, you know, this first Batman, the second Batman, Edward Scissorhands, uh, Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, all of those all in a row. And then some other ones were, you know, he started to trail off a bit, but he did um, Sleepy Hollow and, you know, some other things. And then, I mean, he may have been the director most, I don't know if damaged is the right word, but just CGI just completely changed his career and the movies have just, for the most part, have just been the, the heavily, you know, he's, he still did some stuff in there that was, you know, he did Sweeney Todd and, you know, which was, was good, but the C, you know, and I don't know if it was, he, if he just didn't care anymore, or if he, because I feel like a lot of filmmakers seem to overestimate you know, what you can do with CGI. And I don't know if they, if they look at this stuff and think like, Oh, it looks really great. Um, I've, I've always been, I've always wondered about that. Well, I sent you that video about the visual effects artists talk about the Dune things. And that was really enlightening for me. And then I watched another one by the same guys where they, apparently they do this. I don't watch that channel a lot. They took the, the trench scene at the end of Star Wars, the Death Star uh, trench approach where Luke fires into the, you know, 
blows up the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And they said, can we remake this with our current visual effects in a couple of days when it took them months or a year to make at the time? And th- it's not about, they honor the original. They're like, you know, they had to make models on wires with explosives and pyrotechnics. Like they revolutionized film, but they didn't have Mm -hmm. computers with super processors the way we have. Now that we have them, can we make that scene better with the tools that we have? And whether or not they make it better is up for debate, but it was really interesting to watch the tools that they use in computer to do things like one thing they kept coming back to is, so it's the, it's the X-wings flying down the trench. And then there are turrets, defense turrets shooting those green death star lasers at them. Mm -hmm. And one of their beefs was, so these lasers are painted on the film after the effect, they're not throwing any light on the trench around it. Right. Mm, X-wings and the, in the B-wings coming in the Y-wings aren't throwing shadows on the sides of the so they do all this stuff in computer and add some some battle going on in the background above the trench that aren't in the original that make it feel actually it does two things it makes it feel much more kinetic and engaging and three-dimensional it also makes it feel more like a video game cutscene. Mm-hmm. so in some ways you're like wow that's that is way superior and none of the ways you're like there's a reason why you watch those video game cutscenes and you go, wow, that's spectacular. I don't care. I don't feel mm-hmm. anything, but that is spectacular, right? So there's something, obviously CGI is awesome and I don't want to be like practical good CGI bad, but there's a trick with the CGI. I feel like it's most effective when you're doing practical things and you're using CGI to, as spackle, where you're kind of being like, we can't really do this with a live human person because it's endangering the life of human person. So we can do it with the squib, and then we can kind of plus up the squib effect with CGI in post to make it more of the effect. But it's still basically the practical shot with some CGI frosting on it. You know, that's where it feels like it's the most because you still get what's in the actor's eyes, but then they get all that other great splash stuff. And Tim Burton's, Tim Burton's practical movies like Edward Scissorhands, I think are magical. I mean, I know we gave it a mixed review watching it as a movie start to finish, but the effects in it, I think are his curly cues and striped socks and all of that stuff, his sandworms. Mm-hmm are all so specific. Like you don't have to like it, but you have to be like, Tim Burton has a singular vision, you know? Yeah. His animated movies are likewise magical. I think The Corpse Bride and Nightmare Before Christmas. Those are weenie. Those are purely animated movies. And Mm -hmm. those are, those work, but the live action ones that tip over into feeling animated, although there were a live acting people in it, I think lose their grip somehow on his singular magic. Like, I don't mind that the mountain has a little curlicue that looks like it's made out of styrofoam 
spray painted black. It's a real thing somehow, you know? Yeah. That topiary looks a little, that's not the point. It's not supposed to look like a real topiary. It's supposed to look like a real thing. And, and it, you know, in, in this Batman Returns now, watching it, I was a little little bit thinking with all the little penguins in it, I'm thinking, so some of these are real penguins. And I don't know about, you know. Some of them are you, little people in penguin outfits. Yeah, some of them are little little people in penguin outfits, but some of them are appear to be penguins with little hats and little rockets on their backs and stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, I don't know about, you know, this is what, like 30 years ago. So I'm sure some of the animal, you know, working with animal things have probably, not like they were abusing the penguins. But you can't strap like, a rocket know. to a penguin nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, but I was just thinking like, I, I don't, I'm, you know, I don't know if these penguins were enjoying what was going on. The ones, cause some of them I'm sure are little model penguins and all that, but if they made the movie now, it would be a hundred percent CGI. All, every one of those penguins would, and it would just, you know, it would lose a lot of that character. I, because I think, because I think it's actually cheaper now. CGI is actually cheaper. Yeah. Now in many ways than practical stuff. And that was not true for a long time. A CGI sequence was, well, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. So to be fair, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think that in some cases, if these Star Wars kids can come and make remake the trench scene in a couple of days and it looks mm -hmm. better, then- They're not gonna build models. The, there's an example right there. It's like, no, we'll just get the kids to do it. The kids will do it and it'll look dope and other kids will love it. And you're like, yeah, but there's something is lost. Something is lost. I, and I don't know that I feel confident enough to say precisely what it is. I just know that I don't care as much. I can be like, wow, that looks spectacular, but I just don't feel it as much. Yeah, I, I, I feel exactly the same way. And, you know, when you talk about having the practical effects and enhancing them with CGI, I think early on, who did this as, as well as anybody was Spielberg. When you go, I brought up Jurassic Park many times on this, on this show, but you go back to the first Jurassic Park and there's so much of that movie you even watch it now and you can't tell which is, you know, some of it's practical and some of it is CGI. And then you, you fast forward to, um, did you see ready player one? Yep. So, and I get it that it's in a video game, you know, uh, uh, it's world, all old. Yeah. Which, but you watch it and you're just, and the movie's not bad. And I read the book, which I really enjoyed, but you just have these giant battles with all these different characters and it's like, Oh yeah, it's cool. Oh, there's, Oh, there's, you know, this, but it's just, it just feels soulless, you know? And somehow if it had been cell drawn animation, I, that wouldn't have been the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just, it's not just animation. Mm -hmm. It's the computer generated animation. It's something about when you have the guy in the computer run and leap for a final strike. And they're like, all oh, his knee needs They pull the vector down and adjust the knee. And then, so it's, it's this algorithm in motion. Whereas if somebody drew it somehow, 
that person's personality, they leave their personality on the paper. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to it. I just, I think a really great example of this. Did you start watching? I know we talked about it, um, texted a little bit about it, but did you start watching the animated Blade Runner? No, oh, okay. I, I meant to, I went downstairs one night, you know, with my nightly beer and my cozy robe and my cold basement. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to watch it and I thought it was on Disney. Uh, yeah, it's Adult Swim. Hulu, right? Uh, well, you can watch it. It's on Adult Swim. So, um, which you can. I couldn't find it. I, I thought oh, okay. it was on something to which I subscribed and I could just dial it up. And then I realized it wasn't and I was going to need to do work and i might have smoked <laughs> mm-hmm. so i yeah i just was kind of like all right uh what else we got and i just went on yeah. something i think i started watching the new season of the witcher so if you get a chance to watch it and i've only watched a couple of episodes of it so far and it's it's enjoyable i mean it definitely feels blade runner but it's I would I would like it so much better if it were hand drawn just traditional anime because the entire thing it just feels like you're watching video game cutscenes. It's just like, you know, I'm watching a half hour long video game cutscene, you know. Um well, so. I've been watching the Venture Brothers and you know, the scripts are hot and cold. Some of the scripts are really well the voice acting is all good. Yeah. Some of the scripts are better by a long shot than others. Others, and you know, the, the, the poor ones almost aren't enjoyable to watch, but the really good ones are so fun. And the, the art design in that is so fun and so specific to that adventure comic time of Scooby-Doo and our, you know, Johnny Quest and, mm-hmm. And, and when it really remembers to play with those tropes, there's a villain I love in that called uh, Phantom Limb. Phantom Limb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> and, and he gets, at first he's this joke where it's like he has invisible arms and legs, but he sort of looks like the Phantom and he's just got this sort of refined British accent. But it turns out he does a thing where he can, like he has these death arms, like where he can grab a guy and, and you sort of see the veins and, and you're like, that's so cool. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. genuinely a really cool action cartoon. And then, so then there's another episode where Brock actually talks to him about that. He's like, that arm that you do is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that death arm thing. And then, they're in opposition later in that episode and he's like why don't we shake on it and like (laughs) gentlemen and brock is standing there looking at him this is all just cell animation cheap Mm -hmm. cheap cell animation. looking at him and he he goes ahead and shakes his hand and then nothing happens they shake hands and then he laughs he goes (laughs) for a minute there i thought you were gonna do that death arm thing you do (laughs) so did i (laughs) and they part his friends and you're like that's that's just so much fun. That's such a great episode. Yeah. And then there's other ones like potty joke, potty joke, poo-poo. And you're kind of like, this has been so much better than this episode that I want it mm-hmm. always to be better than this episode. But I guess my bigger point with that is that that's not even particularly expensive cell-drawn animation. That's 
a lot of painted single backgrounds with just an overlayer of, you know, some, it's not Hanna-Barbera cheap, but it's, yeah. um, it's hard for me to imagine that that would be cheaper done in computer. Um, but maybe it is nowadays. I know with them, you know, I don't know if computer would be quicker, but I know um, it was a long time be between seasons because it took them a long time to create to create the, the show. So yeah, I think it was pretty that labor intensive. And that just the time. It's just yeah, somebody has to sit down and do it, and that's what costs so much because you're paying people. Another character that I love is we brought up Doctor Strange. Is I forget what his name is, but the Doctor Strange like guy in it. The one who talks like this. <laughs> he's got yes. the goth daughter that he's in love with. <laughs> they go out on a double date at one point, and the younger brother is like in a suit, like a gentleman. The other one is like, she, they, they're talking in the car. What? So who's my date like? And he's like, he's blonde. And she's like, okay. So he, how does he dress? He's like, he dresses like Fred from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> 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 he he's literally Fred from Scooby-Doo. He's got yeah. the neck kerchief. <laughs> we have the blade guy. He's yeah. really awesome. He only kills black vampires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a we've digressed massively but it's it's a great show and dr girlfriend is one of my favorites oh yeah what an i awesome just character. love that you feel like that was a one-off two-bit uh joke from the very first time you see the monarch he's got a you know his his right hand man is a woman his gr doctor girlfriend and whoever did the voice just pulled up pulled out that die that <laughs> That New York accent. And they thought that's hilarious. And then they realized, oh, this character has somewhere to go. And uh -huh. Dr. Girlfriend becomes this really interesting character in the through line of the thing, leaves him and is out on her own. And she shows up as a, you know, as a kind of one off joke in some episodes, but they're always bringing Dr. Girlfriend back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Batman. It's a great was, uh Batman was interesting. So would you recommend it or not? Yeah, I, so it, you know, to, um, you know, I feel like this is one of these movies that at least people who were around in 1992, you know, probably saw this, you know, if you're right. interested in this, you've probably seen this, but I think, I think younger, younger, uh, younger people when, you know, this Batman 89 was really kind of the start of the modern superhero movie. Really? You know, we had really prior to this, the only thing that we had was the Superman movies, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And especially, you know, the, the first, the first two are really good. And then they, they kind of go, go off the rails after that. But then it was just kind of like superhero movies were dead. And then, um, you know, these Tim Burton Batman movies came along and then that kind of started sort of the whole thing where, you know, uh, you know, not to sound like your grandpa or whatever, but it's like back in our day, we didn't have a new superhero movie coming out every week. Like, you know, we do today. So I think if you want to see, and again, not to, not to put down the Marvel movies because they're really well-made and they're entertaining and all that, but 
I don't know if you're ever going to see a superhero movie like this again. It's just this weird. Well, unless it's a smaller character. Yeah. I think if you're excited. Hellboy or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. does feel like uh this feels like a graphic novel um, movie. Um, I think if you're excited about the upcoming Robert Patterson, 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 Pattinson, the Batman, you're probably aware of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which I love. I love them all. You know, in, in between the Tim Burton ones here and the, um, the Christopher Nolan Batmans, there was the Val Kilmer, then George Clooney. There was another whole streak of Batman in the middle there in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm which became increasingly technicolor as they went, as strange as that sounds. But in it, you know, I, I'm a guy that I really think that Christopher Nolan Batman's were a lot of fun. They were dark in a way that sustained the dark night vision of Batman. Um, but kind of no Tim Burton, Batman, Batman returns, no Christopher Nolan, you know, it's like, it's hard to imagine those Nolan movies happening if there wasn't this storied cinematic history back through the previous 20 years of these yeah, other versions of him, you know? And yeah, that's a good point also, because I can remember when the 89 movie came back, came out, there was backlash from the people who, you know, who were like a generation older than us that their Batman was the 60s you know boom pow you know they're like batman he's wearing it's all black and it's dark and it's Adam creepy West. and that's not batman you know right. so yeah it, it definitely probably paved the way for these darker movies that we've seen and also if since we have this flash movie coming up which i think is in 2022 with this iteration of batman you know it's it's going to be this batman in that universe with michael keaton um, playing it so people are definitely going to want to watch these movies to you know I'm sure they're going to be written in such a way that you won't have to have seen these movies but I'm sure there's are going to be nods to these films in that flash movie did you see the movie Birdman oh I did yeah Birdman was amazing I mean I think so in many ways no Batman no Tim Burton Batman no Birdman and yeah. Birdman Birdman is a great movie. If you want to do Birdman, we can do Birdman. I mean, it won an Academy yeah. Award, so it's hardly fringe. But I also feel like there may have been a lot of people that didn't see it. It's I'm sure, yeah. Deeply weird, and it stars Michael Keaton, um, who is an actor famous, basically, for playing Batman. But in this movie, it's like, oh, it's not Batman, it's Birdman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But it's just this wonderfully weird, magical realism movie. And it was wow. neat that he, you know, he seemed like a guy all along that is willing to do this, but that he was able to poke fun at himself with that film. You know? And I don't want to give too much of that away for people who haven't seen it, but, you know, as the movie goes, his Birdman, a.k.a. Batman persona, appears to him in his Birdman costume, like being like, 
is that the way you want to play that? You know, don't, you're not going to back down now, are you? So he has this sort of alter ego talking to himself, which you see in movies a lot, but it's, it's just deliciously fun. And it's, yeah. the whole movie is not a rollicking romp. It's a, it's a drama. It's with, pretty dark. With comic moments in it, but it, it really is the portrait of a man who's kind of losing his mind. So the overall experience of it is hanging on by one hand. But in retrospect, you look back on it and it has this kind of magical realism and you think, well, that was just a, that was just a wonderfully, whimsically well-made trip of a movie. I feel yeah, like. that it'd be that one would be a really great one to do. And spoiler alert, we both really like it. So. Really like it. Yeah. Well, but for next time, we are talking about doing the reboot of The Matrix, which is also hardly fringe. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And also bleedingly brand new. So whether we end up seeing it together, as we have discussed, or uh, we watch it separately and talk about it next time. Um, I mean, maybe you come over and we do another episode together. Sure. Wow. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, we're going to do the Matrix. What is it? Re, re- Resurrection. Resurrection, whatever. Um, the new Matrix. <laughs> With some of the same people. Now, what, 30 years later, 20 years later? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 20, more than 20, I think. And um, that'll be interesting. That. That will be interesting, whether it's good or bad or whatever. It's, it'll be interesting. It's getting pretty good reviews so far. The trailer looked really promising. Yeah, I thought so. And, and you know, I not to get in a whole dis- discussion about The Matrix, but and I think, you know, I'm not alone in this view. The second and third Matrix I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and I do not think that. I have watched them since I saw them in the theater. Yeah, I went uh, you know, and watched them on TV or whatever, and I, I actually like them a little bit better rewatching them because I had a realization as an old man. I was like, "Oh, these movies were never made for me. Mm-hmm. These movies are made for teenagers." And I went loving The Matrix and feeling like The Matrix was my movie. I went to see the sequels to The Matrix, thinking I was going to get more of the same, but. They went back to the drawing board and they said, who is our target demographic here? It's a lot younger than Chris is. Mm-hmm. I felt betrayed at the time and watching it with some distance. I was like, oh, well, if you view it as a movie aimed at like 16 year olds who are like dating and, you know, figuring all that out, the whole Trinity, the juvenile feel of Trinity. And you know, I'm like, OK, so it's it's a young, young adult movie. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. That's not what I wanted it to be because I didn't feel like that's what the initial matrix was. But two and three really, I mean, because I walked out of being like, that was so stupid. I'm like, well, no, it was just aiming younger. Yeah, that's <laughs> I me. Mean, maybe yeah, it was. I, I felt the same. But yeah. anyway, I have to go yeah. put the kids to bed. So Chris, all right. Talk movies at gmail.com. That's how you can find us. We're on YouTube. We are on the podcast. We're going to do The Matrix for next time. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. What else? Greetings. Happy New Year. (laughs) Yeah. Happy everything. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. Hanukkah, yeah. Atheism, Satan. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's, and uh, one thing that we didn't, I don't think we said it at all. Uh, We also did Batman Returns because it's a Christmas movie. Right. 
So as many Tim Burton movies are, he loves. You can it. add this to rotation of Christmas films if you are looking for something new. That's correct. And if you didn't catch our last year's our Christmas movie, one of them was what was the uh, black? Zombie? Oh, last year we did Anna and the Apocalypse. Anna and the Apocalypse. If you've never heard of that and you didn't watch that episode. And go check out Anna and the Apocalypse. It blew me away. It was so weird. <laughs> it's a great movie. And we did Black Christmas last week, which I think I'm going to watch again before Christmas is over because my sister has never seen it. And I was like, oh, we should get, we should watch Black Christmas. So I think we're, I'm going to check it out. All right, again. my friend. Well, I look forward right. to seeing you in person soon. And Sounds great. Uh, to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you so much for joining us yet again. And we will talk to you hands keep fading <laughs> next week <laughs>